With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Sunday, October the 4th, and on today's podcast, we are going to dissect Kentucky football's 42-41 overtime loss to the Ole Miss Rebels last night at Kroger Field. Uh, Joining me, as usual, on Sundays to talk about the U.K. football game is Mark Story, uh, my colleague and fellow sports columnist at the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. We'll talk about the loss. We'll look ahead to Mississippi. State and talk about the season as UK. We'll talk about how UK can turn it around uh, after starting the season 0-2. After that, uh, after I talk with Mark, I'll have the Mark Stoops press conference from last night after the game. We'll have the audio from that. A warning on that. Uh, it is only, uh, it's a mono, what they sent out, the uh, UK sent out. They sent out an email this morning apologizing for that. They had a little snafu. The uh, audio is uh, is mono only. So if you're listening to this through your headphones or out on your walk or whatever, and you only hear it on one side, there's nothing wrong with your headphones. That's just the way the audio is. But, still, but I figured you still probably wanted to hear uh, Mark Stoops' entire press conference from the after the game last night uh, after you know a very tough loss for Kentucky losing in overtime 42-41 to Ole Miss but first my guess is Mark Story of the Arrow Leader we'll kick it off with Mark and then go to Mark Stoops okay my guest on the podcast is my uh, friend colleague fellow sports columnist you name it Mark Story of the Arrow Leader uh, how you doing on this Sunday Mark I'm doing good, John. Mark is counting down the hours till the Dodgers play uh, Tuesday night against uh, – who are they playing against? Oh, the Padres. That should be a really yeah, good series. They're, they're playing a very talented, very hungry San Diego team. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm i anxious to see how that's going to go. Yeah, I mean, the Padres kind of – I mean, they were doing great, and then they kind of tapered off at the end uh, – at the end of the regular season, but then they bounce back uh, to beat the Cardinals. So yeah, with uh, it should be a really good series. I know you're you're probably a big fan of Fernando Tatis, right? You know, I <laughs> I don't have flip? any problem. I don't have any problem <laughs> with his bat flips and all that. I I think he's you know, I think he's a really exciting player, and you know, I, I actually have no problem with. Him. Okay, well, <laughs> unless he does those bat, unless he does a bunch of those bat flips in the next. Well, few he days, has right? done a he has done a couple, and like I, you know. If that kind of thing bothers you, get him out. <laughs> That's right. The old thing about run up to score. If it bothers you, stop him. Don't let him run up to score. Okay, enough of that stuff. We got football. We got a crisis on our hands. The Cats are 0 2 uh, after losing to Mississippi State yesterday in overtime. Uh, Mark, uh, your initial thoughts on uh, well, let's. How did they get here, and how can they get out of? How did they get to 0 2, and how can they get out of it? Well, I think what we've learned, and I actually wrote this, and I guess in a column that will be in the paper tomorrow, 
there's a very, very, very uh, thin margin of error for Kentucky football, even what we expected to be a good Kentucky team. You know, they outgained Auburn, but they didn't finish drives and they turned it over. And Auburn had a really talented wide receiver who made a couple of plays on 50-50 balls, and you've lost the game you could have won. You know, last night against Ole Miss, you know, they controlled the game with their offensive line, had three runners over 100 yards. But, you know, they missed two place kicks, and their defense was just – I mean, it was little this side of terrible. And, you know, I want to give Ole Miss credit. I think their offense is good, and I think they're going to move the ball on just about everybody they play and score some points. But still, you know, Ole Miss, new coaching staff in its second game, Kentucky in the eighth year of a coaching staff that we thought had changed the culture and it built – you know, was building something good. and. You know, that's that's just a game you've got to win, and they uh, obviously did not do that. Yeah, they scored at the end of the first half, then got the ball to start the second half and scored. So they're up two touchdowns, 28-14 to 14 at home. Now you can make an argument that the home field advantage is not what it was with these limited crowds. But still, you went into the game, what were they, like a touchdown favorite, I think, uh, something like that, uh, over Ole Miss. Uh, you know, yeah, you you need to win that game. If you're up two, you're up two scores in the third quarter. Uh, yeah, you need to win that game. But they just had no answer for them on defense. I know they made a stop uh, down on the goal line, but still, Ole Miss pretty much moved the ball well. They did stop them on the last drive to basically send the game into overtime. But then, of course, couldn't stop them again. Stop them in overtime and strength in the defense. And the secondary was supposed to be a strength of this team. What's happened to the secondary? Well, that's a Tremendous question. I think last week on the podcast, I mentioned I was a little disappointed in the secondary play at Auburn. So I looked up, you know, all of last year's results and the teams they played. There were only two teams they played last year that finished in the top 65 in the country in passing yards. And that was Florida and Eastern Michigan. And then on top of that, they also played a ton of games and just driving rainstorms. So I wonder in retrospect, if maybe you're the, the statistical success last year might have been a little bit of fool's gold. And we talked about all the people they have coming back in the secondary, including two additions when you they got Devontae Robinson back, and then they get uh, from injury who missed all last year, and then Kelvin Joseph, the transfer from LSU. But as you and I were talking before we started this, they did, they did lose one member of the secondary, and who was that? Well, you know, it's interesting. When Dean Hood was here as an assistant, I always thought every area he was involved with got better. His first year he coached outside linebackers, they got better. Then he moved, you know, he was doing the special teams, the special teams got better. Then he moved and was helping coach the secondary, and the secondary got better. Well, you know, now, you know, he's gone as the head coach at Murray State, and, you know, it's just two games. I don't want to, you know, it's a very small sample size, but since he's gone, the area he was coaching has not played very well. Right, right. Right. Now, you know, Seth Williams is a heck of a receiver, although Georgia held him intact last night. I think he only had three catches for like 30 yards or something like that. And Ole Miss, I mean, Lane Kippen is a good offensive coach. And uh, the guy hired to be his offensive coordinator, to be his play caller, Kippen's not calling the plays. Jeff Libby, Libby, how you say his name, came from UCF where they were second in the nation last year in total offense. So, I mean, they are playing good competition. But let's face it, it's a 10-game SEC schedule. They're going to play good competition every single week. That's just the way it's going to be. And if you're going to be, if you're going to have any kind of success, you just got to start making plays. They haven't forced a turnover yet in their first two games. 
Yeah, that they um, it and you know SEC teams have talent. Even bad SEC teams have talent. Right. And you know, I thought, you know, I thought Kentucky had advanced to the point that you know it feels to me like the defense has receded, and I I thought Kentucky had had advanced past this point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you score. I mean, I've had some, as you always do, I've had some emails, people getting on Eddie Grant, getting on Terry Wilson. Uh, I mean, they scored 35 points in regulation, 41 in overtime, 41 for the night. You would expect, you had 408 yards in rushing, you would expect to win. Uh, now, it wasn't a perfect performance by on offense, but still, you, you get that kind of production, you expect to win. What did you, what did you think about the offensive performance? Yeah, I thought the offense was good. You know, I get some of those emails too, and, you know, some of this, you know, you know, some people like strawberry ice cream better than butterscotch, <laughs> and some people, some people like science fiction movies, you know, more than comedy movies. And I understand that some people just like to see a, you know, a, a pass happy and air raid type offense over a run oriented offense, and that's fine. That's a matter of personal taste. But this offense is good. It was really good at the end of last year, and it was really good last night. And there's not anything wrong with running the football if it works, and it has been working. And, you know, Terry was 14 of 18 passing, and you know, two of those that he didn't connect on were decent throws that would have been tough catches, but, you know, were, were sort of drops. Yeah. I mean, that's about as well as, you know, a dual threat quarterback. You know, that, that was a pretty good dual threat quarterback performance. Yeah. Uh, I retweeted, I think, uh, Pro Football Focus, their college. They grade every game. Uh, Terry graded out as the number two quarterback in the country behind the kid from BYU. Matt Corral, the Ole Miss quarterback, he graded, graded out as number three quarterback in the country. So you had two of the top three, you know, playing. Now, I thought Terry played really well. I mean, I, I don't have any qualm. I, one thing, and I asked Terry about this after the game, he doesn't seem to hesitate. I thought he might be a little hesitant early in the season to run the ball after getting, you know, after uh, being injured in the second game last year, tearing his patellar tendon. But he has no hesitation at all. He looks as, just as effective, maybe even more effective as a runner so far. And the other thing that I thought was interesting, I wondered how much of what they did last year, if there was going to be any carryover. But, but there is some, you know, some of the stuff you would see Lynn Bowden do last year where he would take the snap and sort of hesitate and, you know, watch right. to see how, how the blocking developed. Well, they're doing some of that with Terry. And, you know, I don't, Terry is probably faster straight ahead than Lynn. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's as strong and maybe not as good a cut cutback runner, but it, it was very effective last night, you know, right. and Terry, you know, I thought ran hard. Right. Okay. What about the place kicking? Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Matt Ruffalo, he missed a 49-yarder. That's not, despite what somebody told me on Twitter, that's not a chip shot, but it is a makeable field goal. And then, uh, obviously, Matt missed the extra point uh, on the first possession of overtime, which basically handed it to Ole Miss. All Ole Miss had to do was score and make the extra point to win. Uh, it's Over the last two years, it's chance poor, then Matt, Luffo, Matt Ruffalo, then back to chance poor. Now we're back to Matt Ruffalo. Uh, what, what about the kicking situation? Well, when you're Kentucky, and especially when you're Kentucky playing an all-SEC schedule, you're going to play in a lot of close games. And, you know, place kicking is just vitally important. And, you know, I don't want to dog the place kickers when they're down, but the fact is that Kentucky has, you know, lost two games the last two years, basically. You know, they missed that field goal, a very, what, a 35-yard field goal that would have beaten Florida. And then, obviously, they missed that extra point last night. And, you know, but as we were discussing earlier about the margin of error, I mean, you've you just got to you've just got to hit, you know, makeable place kicks right. to have any hope. And, you know, 
I think Matt Ruffalo probably did enough down the stretch last year to, you know, deserve probably to, to, to still be the guy, at least, you know, but I worry about confidence and just getting it, you know, th- so much of kicking is, is mental. And the thing I wondered, you know, he was, everything was to the right because, you know, mm-hmm. he hit one extra point off the upright, the field goal was off the right upright, and then the one he missed, I wondered if he was having a mechanical issue and just, you know, is it, you know I know he's not necessarily young as in terms of chronological in school, but he doesn't have much experience in games. And I just wondered if he had enough experience, you know, if he was having a mechanical issue to know how to correct it. Yeah. yeah. Or does Kentucky have a coach who can't correct it, spot that and correct it? Uh, you know, I don't know. But obviously that's something like you mentioned, Mark Stoops mentioned after the game last night, and you're right. I mean, they're going to be in close games. Uh, I mean, it's just the way it's going to be in the SEC, and you've got to have a good, strong kicking game. Uh, to win some of those games. I mean, we think back to Austin McGinnis, uh, you know, the games he won, you know, the Louisville game, uh, other times when he had hit big field goals, hit key field goals. You've got to have a strong kick. Unless you're Alabama, you got to have a strong field goal game. <laughs> well, even they pay, though, for not having that. Right, that's true. That's true. That's true. You know, and the thing with Austin McGinnis, he arguably saved Mark Stoops' job because uh-huh. that the field goal he kicked that beat Mississippi State, and then the field goal he kicked that beat Louisville. You know, that's the difference in seven and five and five, five and, and seven. seven. Right. That's true. That's true. Okay, now we got Mississippi State coming into town. Mike Leach makes his return, former UK assistant, now the head coach of Mississippi State. Mississippi State was the talk of the league after week one when they went down and the air raid bombed LSU in Baton Rouge, 44-34, but then they uh, got their comeuppance this Saturday, this past, well, yesterday when they lost at home to Arkansas. Arkansas had lost 20 straight SEC games, and they picked off uh, Costello, the Mississippi State quarterback, three times and won 21-14. to uh, what what about Mike Leach coming back to Kroger Field? What, what how about this game coming up? Well, first off, about Mike, when Mike was here as an assistant under How Mummy, and I obviously didn't deal with him nearly as much as you did. I always liked Mike. He was fun and he was really bright. And mm-hmm. back then, at least as an assistant, he would just talk your ear off. If you right. started talking, he would just talk to you forever. So I. It, you know, I always had a warm feeling toward Mike because he was the guy that, at least on that staff, was fun to deal with and you certainly couldn't say that about all those coaches <laughs> no <laughs> no uh especially the guy who was uh sitting in the main office but anyway that's neither here nor there no yeah i you know good relationship with mike uh mike was he's a different guy he's a different dude uh, he's a heck of a coach he can definitely can coordinate an offense uh i i wonder though my only question about you know that and mike was only here i guess two years he left after the outback bowl year i remember he was leaving to go to oklahoma to be the offensive coordinator while they were uh uh practicing down in orlando uh i remember when i got down there for the um uh, not orlando tampa when i got down there for the uh to to for the bowl preparation you know that was uh, all the rumor going around and then it was confirmed that he was going to oklahoma uh but you know the sec's got you know it's it's like you like we just mentioned even the bad sec sec teams have talent and they have talent on defense they've also got some really good coaches and some really good coordinators how much will the air raid offense work in the sec i know he doesn't run he runs a variation of that they run the ball a little more although they haven't so far but they did at washington state a little more than you think of the typical air raid offense what did you think when you heard that mississippi state had first hired mike leach and bringing him back to the sec well the thing that i think is interesting if you look at mike leach at washington state 
Washington, the Huskies, Jimmy Lake's defense, they just owned him. And the way they played him was they would rush three and drop eight. But if you look at the numbers of what Arkansas did last night, I didn't see the game, but Mississippi State uh, completed 43 passes. Their leading receiver had 61 yards of pass reception. They had a guy catch 10 passes for 50 yards. They had another guy catch six passes for 56, a guy catch eight for 35. So I'm going to surmise that they used the Washington playbook and they dropped eight and just kept everything in front of them and made tackles and made and made Mississippi State drive the ball. And eventually the theory would be you, you get turnovers, they get impatient. You know, Washington just killed Mike Leach. I, I mean, it, it was I mean, you never that, beat him, right? And they, he never beat Jimmy Lake and Chris Peterson. Yeah. He, I think he beat Washington the first year before they got there. Okay. But, I mean, I think he had I, – I, I could look at – I looked all this up. I think Mike Leach quarterbacks against Washington, they had seven touchdown passes and 16 interceptions since 2013. And, and, and that, that's the blueprint to play the air raid is to just drop, drop eight and keep everything in front of you. Yeah, the uh, – uh... Yeah, and uh, I can remember. Yeah, and Barry Odom. Barry Odom is the uh, Arkansas defensive coordinator, the former Missouri coach, who is a good defensive quarter coordinator who earned that reputation before he became the Missouri coach. Uh, it didn't quite work out for him there. He went to Arkansas, so he's a good defensive coordinator. I'm sure he came up with a good scheme. You know, I'm not taking anything away from their win over LSU. But they, uh, you know, they kind of caught LSU at the right time. First game, LSU had a lot of – they got a new defensive coordinator in Bo Pelini. They've got a lot of uh, new people on defense. They lost people. Plus, the Derek Stingley, who might be the best cornerback in the country, missed that game. He had to be hospitalized with an illness. So I'm not taking anything away from away from them. But uh, you do wonder, once the SEC gets more tape, more film, these coordinators, you know, Mike's going to have to adjust back. And obviously, he's playing a Kentucky defense that's reeling going into this game. So it's really be interesting to see, see what happens. Yeah, I will. And, you know, I think I said last week that Ole Miss was a must win. Well, they didn't win it. Well, Mississippi State is a must win. <laughs> I mean, I don't see any – any realistic rationale to save this season that doesn't include beating Mississippi State. Yeah. Not when you've got you still got Georgia left. Georgia looked dominant last night against Auburn. You got Alabama, you got Florida. Tennessee looks, you know, they're uh you know, they finished strong last year. They look like they might be even better this year, although they've only played South Carolina and Missouri so far. They beat they had to come back to beat South Carolina, but that was on the road and they looked dominant over Missouri on Saturday. I saw part of that game. So I mean, yeah, you cannot start 0 and three if you've got any chance of having a decent season, uh, decent season this year. Uh, what are we leaving out? Anything else we need to talk about uh, the game or the game Saturday? Well, the other thing people are talking about was the A.J. Rose play. And I guess I wonder a little bit of if that suggests maybe a slippage in the culture, but it had no impact on the game at all right. because once he fumbled at the goal line on the sub- subsequent play, they forced a three and out. They had a long punt return and had the ball at the 29, so then they scored a touchdown. Right. So there was no impact at all on the outcome of the game. No, no, there wasn't. But, you know, you don't – anytime a kid starts – somebody starts celebrating, 
you know, before they hit the end, before they get to the end zone and something happens, people are going to jump on it. I thought it was interesting because we've seen it in the past where if they fumble down on the goal line and you don't see them again for the rest of the game, any of Kentucky's backs. But they came right back with A.J. And Stoop said after the game last night it was unacceptable what he did, but he wasn't going to, you know, he wasn't going to uh, basically said he wasn't going to bench a kid, for, give up on a kid for one mistake. But, yeah, that's yeah. definitely been a talking point. <laughs> yeah, I wondered about that, too, because you remember last year in the Louisville game, when Cavassier Smoke had that long right. run, and they were they wanted to take him out, and he wanted to stay in and finish, so yeah. they you know there was kind of a you know he didn't want to come out, and, and so then he never got back in. Yeah. And and AJ a play that seemed you know more egregious in terms of kind of violating the old school code of football. Right. He didn't come out. They didn't. He didn't come out at all. And I don't have any problem with you know going back to him. I'm right. I don't get. I don't get as worked up about those kind of things as a lot of people do. So, you know, I don't think he needed to disappear, never to be seen again. But I did. I agree with you. It was interesting that, you know, there didn't appear to be any immediate consequence for that play when you compare it to some of the wet things that they've done in the past. And I think a lot of times, you know, we don't get to see practice anymore. We used to get to see practice, but we don't anymore. The fans don't get to see practice. If you've got a kid who's had fumbling problems in practice or you've gotten on him for being loose with the football and he fumbles in a game, you're probably not going to put him back in. But if you've got a guy who's that's never been a problem in practice or whatever and he fumbles – you know, I don't, you know, most coaches anyway are not going to bench a kid over that. And we haven't really seen AJ do anything like that last night, uh, you know, with his peace sign. I can't think of anything that I remember anyway off the top of my head where AJ did, did something like that where you thought, oh, he shouldn't be doing that. So, uh, but, but anyway, yeah, definitely, especially when you lose a game, <laughs> the right. fans, the fans are going to jump on that about discipline and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but you're right, it didn't have an effect on the game because they got the ball right back in good field position and went down and scored. Uh, but it wasn't a good look uh, uh, anyway. Um, uh, you know, the one thing to me, if you're, if, you're, if you're trying to be look at the glass, you know, half, half full instead of half empty, you have to be encouraged by the offense. I know Ole Miss is not a good defense, but you have to be encouraged by the way Terry played, and that was the big question coming in, with how would Terry Wilson play? You know, you got to feel like that they can put up some points, but uh, on the they've just got to get some things fixed on the defensive side of the ball. You know, last year they were in a desperate situation. They'd lost three SEC games in a row. The quarterbacks were all hurt. You know, they 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 moved Lynn Bowden to quarterback, and you know things clicked and they saved the season. I've been trying to think defensively. You know, what's the Lynn Bowden alteration that could be made to to sort of get this thing turned around? Yeah, I don't really know what the if personnel moves or just getting the guys played better. I don't know. The only thing that I uh, will say this in our Zoom calls when we've gotten the defense after practice, Brad White didn't seem to be real happy with the defense going into the first game. He wasn't happy with the defense coming out of the first game. Uh, I remember I asked him before the first game about, you know, was there a pride factor with the defense because they had done so well the last two years? And he was adamant by saying, you know, that that means nothing. That There is no carryover as far as that con- that's concerned. And he talked about that he need they need to uh, limit big plays like they did last year, but they need playmakers. They need guys to make big plays. And so far when they haven't forced a turnover in the first two games, they haven't gotten that. They're definitely looking for somebody who can make a big play on the defensive side of the ball. Well, he was definitely right that it hadn't carried over. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay, uh, I guess we'll wrap it up. Mark, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Tell everybody how they can follow you on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Mark C. Story. That's at Mark C. Story. And you'll be tweeting about the Dodgers at about uh, 10 o'clock on Tuesday night. Is that right? 
Well, I'll be watching the Dodgers. I don't usually tweet much unless it's about somebody from Kentucky playing for the Dodgers. Yeah, but we should mention that Lou Johnson uh, just uh, passed away, correct? That is correct, yes. And, listen, and, you know, I did not know Mr. Johnson personally, but everybody I know that knew Mr. Johnson always talked about what a nice man he was. Well, you know, he was a graduate of the old Dunbar High School. He hit two home runs for the Dodgers in the 65 World Series, including the home run that put him ahead in the Game 7 against Minnesota. And he also scored the only run in Sandy Koufax's perfect game that year. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So uh, our our condolences to Mr. Johnson's family and R.I.P. Lou Johnson. Uh, Mark, thanks again for being on the podcast, and uh, I'll be talking to you during the week. Thanks, John. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline very difficult way to lose a, a football game um, it's been a crazy year and uh, this season is going to be different it's going to be difficult uh, playing a, a 10 game SEC schedule and uh, games are going to be close we have to make those plays uh, in critical moments to win us football games I was proud of the way uh, the game was a struggle. You knew it was going to be. We went through some patches where we overcame some adversity, got the game into overtime, um, and uh, and then you know to lose it uh, that way is difficult. Um, but um, as I mentioned to our team, there, there's just uh, you know we have to find ways to execute better in critical moments. Uh, we did that for a large portion of the night. Um, you know, anytime you rush the ball for 400 yards, uh, you usually feel pretty good uh, that you're going to have a good opportunity to win. Um, this offense was extremely explosive, extremely fast, and gets you off kilter. And, um, you know, this week and next week is going to be like that where it's very, uh, it's a different style of offense. So. You have to get stops in critical moments. We did not play very good defense tonight. Um, that's on us, and you know we we have to get them in position and, and play better. Uh, offensively, I uh, thought we did some good things at times. Um, certainly controlled the game and ran the ball very well. Uh, Terry was efficient. You know, 14 of 18. Um, but uh, you know, we just. We've, we've got to make plays in critical moments uh, and play better as a team uh, to get these victories. Okay, we'll put it open for questions at this time. We'll uh, raise your hand so we can uh, get to you. John Hale, go ahead, please. Mark, uh, where do you go with the kicking situation from here? Um, obviously, PATs have been an issue the last two years, so just kind of where things are with that. Yeah, we'll continue to work both guys. Uh, we'll continue to work Matt. We'll work Chance. 
Um, you know, if we feel like Chance gives us a better opportunity, then uh, we'll go with him. All right, next is Larry Galt. You know, Mark, if you talk about what impact it has when AJ makes a mental mistake, a physical mistake, so really like that in the games, you go ahead and go back to him. What does that kind of say? That just send a bad message when you got a guy like that that does that? Yeah, it definitely doesn't help. Um, you know, we've been a, a very uh, unselfish football team through the years, and. Um, you know that's a that's a mistake that's um, you can't have. Uh, AJ means well. He's a great young man. Um, I'm not going to give up on him for for one mistake. Uh, we will certainly point that out and show him, and, and he understands that that that's not acceptable. It's not how we've done things. It's not how we're going to do it. Um, you know, fortunately, we've got to stop and got the ball back at great field position and scored, but it definitely has an impact. It, it definitely is not the right message, and it's not okay, but uh, I'm also not going to give up on him uh, for, for one mistake. John Clay? Mark, especially in the second half, was there anything in particular that Alvis was doing that was giving you the most trouble? They were doing uh, what they wanted to do, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, they they uh, really had us off balance. Um, they spread you out. They, they go extremely fast. Um, you know, we, we've, we've got to play better. We got it to a two-point or a two-touchdown lead, and then from there we really played poor on defense, and they scored so quick. That momentum can shift. You're going to go through uh, stretches in these games this season. You know, again, with the uh, the margin for error is, is is small. You have to do things right, and um, you know, you definitely knew that going into the game. But a team like that could put the foot on the gas and go extremely fast. Um, and it'll be again, it'll be very similar uh, this next week. All right, Eric Decker. Uh, hey, Coach. Obviously, last week, Terry had a uh, career high in pass, in pass attempts, and then uh, coming in tonight, it seems like he had a really great day rushing. Was that something you guys wanted to bring into the game plan coming in, or was that just something you noticed working at the beginning of the game and just wanted to keep with it? Yeah, I think, um, just like you said at the second part of that question, um, it was working. We had to stay ahead of the change. Certainly, every possession, as you know, in a game like this, possessing the ball, getting yards, and scoring points, uh, they're all important. And, um, you know, with, with the way we were rushing the ball and creating explosive plays in the run game, um, it gave us the best opportunity. And, you know, it certainly added to that when we played such poor defense. Um, it kind of puts pressure on uh, my, on myself and, and on the offense to where um, you know every possession was so important and possessing the clock and but but also scoring points is important. Um, you know there comes a time when you get off balance like we were. Um, you have to play as a team and I thought our offense responded several times tonight. Obviously there's things they could do better, but uh, there were times when they responded really well where they had long long drives and uh, gave the defense an opportunity to kind of. Uh, get over there and get some adjustments and try to try to get uh, 
get their feet up underneath them and play better. Um, we just never, uh, we just didn't play very good in the second half. You know, holding them to 14 in the first half, um, you know, was 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 you know, I felt like we were playing just okay at that point. Jeff Drummond. Hey, uh, Mark, you've always noted to us that, uh, you know, the team that wins the rushing yards is in pretty good shape in, in almost all the SEC games uh, over the years. You've done that two weeks in a row in a pretty dominant fashion. Is it, do you feel like this is just kind of an anomaly or is something changing in, in the dynamics? Both. I think both. Um, Certainly, with this style of offense, and next week, um, next week it won't matter as well. Time of possession won't matter. In the, uh, I mean, obviously you want to possess the ball, but you need to score points, and we need to be explosive. Um, so, you know, when we were stopped tonight, if you really look at it, I, I, I mean, it, it's hard for me to, you know, be exact here right now. I got a lot of things running through my head, um, but there, there are times when I know we shot ourselves in the foot, whether it be a penalty again, or whether it be you know, the, the one or two drives starting way backed up. Um, you know, we came up a half yard short early in the first half. You know, there's things, uh, there's more plays and yards out there. Um, it's important, but it's not the end-all, be-all. And we, we know that. When you're playing uh, Ole Miss, who could who go as fast as they can, and, and they're so explosive in the pass game. But they're, they're, they're very balanced. Uh, they're a team that... Um, they rushed for 139 tonight. That's that'll be low for them. They, they'll rush for. They're they're generally going to be a team that's going to rush for around 200 and and uh, and throw for around 300. That's that's uh, that's what they've been averaging. If you look at their coordinator, um, where he was at UCF and um, what they want to do, they put pressure on you in that run game, uh, but they also can throw it and uh, and get explosive plays outside. So, um, you know, I think with that was a, is still a good recipe for us. If you rush for 400 yards, it, it's going to give us an opportunity to win the game. However, we have to play better defense than that, um, or you're not going to win. So we had our opportunities, and uh, we got to make some stops. Okay, next question is John Hale. Mark, the uh, television cameras at the end of the game showed you kind of chasing after the officials. Was that just a accumulation of frustration or something specific that happened in that instance? I just wanted to talk to, to one of them about uh, uh, something, a specific play. But, uh, no. Uh, Yeah, um, you were cutting in and out of there, Kyle, but I think I got the gist of your question. Um, and, uh, you know, he, a lot like a lot of our players, um, you know, we, we need to play better and more consistent. I thought he did some good things a week ago. Uh, tonight, um, you know, just watching it out there, 
They're going so extremely fast. Um, I know there were some plays that stand out in my mind right now that uh, he needs to do a better job of. But I think, you know, I agree with you um, as far as that goes, really ac across our, our whole team. You know, we, you don't have time to get into it and, and worry about chattering, uh, you know, with these opponents, especially with teams that go so fast. you got to focus in on your job and, and uh, taking care of your business. And i got to do a better job of coaching our team on that. Our last question will be from uh, John Clay. Go ahead, John. Mark obviously, and Mark obviously, on two is not the start you wanted. How do you feel about the leadership on this team? Do you feel like you've got good leaders who can help uh, pick guys up and get them ready for for next week? I do, John, and uh, I said just that in the uh, in the locker room. Um, I expect our leaders to step up. Um, we knew it was going to be a challenge. Our players know it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenging year. Um, and um, I'm going to lean on them, and, and uh, you know we have to uh, get back at it and um, and get to work on Monday. And, and uh, we play at home next week again. It'll be good to be back home, and, and it'll be a, a, another challenge as it will each and every week. Um, but that's also what makes it exciting. You know, every week's a big game, and you you really truly got to look at it. And, and and I also told the the team this: if 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 it went the other way, and uh, and we, we're in there celebrating and dancing and having a good time and everything, you still got to go right back to work on Monday. Um, and it's going to be a long, challenging year. And you better, um, you know, have your feet up underneath you and your focus and, uh, you know, come to work each and every week. And, um, you know, we'll get our team back and, and get them ready to play here this week. Okay, there you have it, Mark and Mark on today's podcast. Uh, I want to thank Mark Story of the Herald Leader. Check him out on Twitter, Mark C. Story. Check out all of his work on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald Leader. And then after that, we have Mark Stoops with his press conference. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody who supports the work of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. If you'd like to consider supporting our work, uh, you can get a digital subscription. You can get a sports-only digital subscription to Kentucky.com. It's just $30 for the first year. You get all of our U.K. football, U.K. basketball, U.K. recruiting, high school sports. You get it all, $30 for one year. Uh, be sure and check that out. Go to Kentucky.com, hit that subscribe button, and uh, look at the offers there on subscriptions. Uh, once again, thank everybody who supports our work. want to thank everybody who listens to these podcasts, which you can now find on since we've relaunched the podcast. We've got a, you know, a wider array of choices where you can find these podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Podcast, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio all are now carrying our podcast. Subscribe to them there. Give us a rating and review. That helps get the word out about the podcast. We really appreciate that. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV or send me a email jclay at herald-leader.com. Later on in the week, I'll be talking with Josh Moore, UK football beat writers. We preview the Mississippi State game, Kentucky and Mississippi State, as Mike Leach makes his return uh, to Lexington with the Mississippi State Bulldogs. They play Kentucky next week. That's a 7.30 start on Saturday. I'll be talking to Josh later in the week for another podcast, so be sure and look for that. Thanks again. This is John Clay. We thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and we'll be talking to you again soon.